Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Breaking Social. Today, we're speaking with Julia Malaby, who is the co-founder of Bimble and also heads up the marketing for the app. So when you look to plan your next holiday, the natural thing to do is try and do a load of research to try and find those little hidden gems um, and avoid the big tourist traps and big tourist attractions. Bimble is an app that solves that problem and curates peer-to-peer recommended hidden gems within specific cities and gives you them in Spotify-style playlists or place lists, as Bimble called them. In today's conversation, we talk about how they founded and started to build their business and app, the strategy that they use to acquire users on the platform, and as well, more of the difficult situations that they faced through launching this business just before a global pandemic, and as well, how the Ukraine war has affected their build of the app. Thank you so much for joining us, Julia. So what is Bimble and where does the word come from? So I'll start with the word, actually. So the word is an old English word. Francesca, my co-founder, says that it's uh, initially a naval, a navy word, but I don't know, I've heard it in different places. And what it means is a walk without a purpose. So it's kind of a leisurely stroll. And we believe that it's when you're just wandering around that you come across the best places of all. And that brings me on to what Bimble is, our app. It's an app for collecting, keeping hold of, sharing and discovering the best places to go all over the world. So it's supporting the little neighborhood places that really make each area special. People list whichever places they love, but those tend to be independent, unique and interesting spots. Um, So that's what it is. And what inspired you to start Bimble? So it came from the idea that when people, so when younger people especially are traveling, so Francesca used to work in a, in a travel agency and she was developing the online travel business and it, what it used to be a telephone sales model. And so she was looking at how to find interesting places that people would want to go to when they're traveling to Cape Town, for example. And she was finding that it was very, very easy to discover the classic tourist activities like, you know, going on a glass bottom boat and very difficult to find the more local things that actually most people really want to do now. So which kind of bakery will sell the local specialty that is that everyone locally buys or where does everyone hang out when they go to a bar? That kind of information is really, really difficult to find. So She started with that principle. She and I both have a background where we've moved and lived in different cities and, you know, actually traveled all through my childhood. I was moving every every three years and then as an adult, I've lived and worked in, in several countries. And so that experience as well, not just from a traveling perspective, but from a living perspective, whether that is, you know, moving to a new country, moving to a city when you're a student, going for a new job, that process of getting to know that area is is time consuming and we wanted to fast track it, make it something that happens right away. So you understand, you get underneath the skin of that neighborhood as fast as you can and you, you know, get to know which of the places that people hang out in and, you know, which is the, and that, and that can be anything from where to go for a meal, but it might also be, you know, where to do yoga or, um, you know, which gallery nearby really showcases local artists or or whatever it is that you're interested in. That's really interesting because I can definitely speak from experience in when recently going, having gone to France, um, trying to find things to do that are interesting there. I'd often rely on just things like Instagram and 
pages that had been built and I'm then relying on them to curate specific places and I'm then hoping that they've done some around France. There's It's a lot of work, like you say, to, to find any places that aren't just on um, a platform like, you know, a, a TripAdvisor, for example, where it's generally big tourist attractions, like you've mentioned, like uh, they'll say, it'll say, you know, the Eiffel Tower is worth visiting. And it's like, yeah, obviously, <laughs> I know that's there. Yeah. Honestly, I was reading a piece of work from back in 2016, actually, that Airbnb put out where they said they'd done all this research with their um, guests. And they'd found that, you know, what people say when they get back from a trip, um, when they're asked what was the highlight, you know, they never say it was the Eiffel Tower. They always say, oh, well, we found this really amazing little you know, bistro, and we had a meal there, and we had the best time, and we, you know, that is the thing that they remember. And then when you go back to Paris for the second time, you may have been to the Eiffel Tower the first time, but you do not go back the second time. What you do do is you're like, oh, we must go back to that place. And then if you're lucky enough to remember where it was, you will go back. And so Bimble is, is trying to help solve both those issues. Firstly, what do local people go to? And secondly, when you do find a place, you can keep it on Bimble and hold on to it. So when you do go back, actually, you can go there. Or when your mate says he's going to Paris, you can be, oh, well, when you go, you should try this place that we had an awesome time. That's so interesting because like you said, during the sort of research phase, the other phase was um, asking friends that have previously been. And oftentimes they won't quite remember the name or the exact location of a specific thing that they wanted to recommend. So yeah, it would have been great if they could just share something with me to say, oh yeah, we went here and I've put it on on Bimble. What kind of app would you describe it to be? Is it a social network? So I w- we would call this Social Plus. So it's like Social Plus Utility. So it starts out as a useful tool. So if you think about Spotify, so we often talk about Spotify because we feel that we have got quite a lot in common with Spotify in a different way. way. They have playlists, we have place lists. Um, but if you think about that, idea Spotify is essentially firstly a place where you collect your your music or you discover music but then it's also a social space because you're going to be sharing music following people whose music you love discovering other people with similar tastes that makes sense and the places that are on there the recommendations that are made how much of a reliance is there on the users to place that versus things that are already there for new users who are on the platform it is entirely user generated we don't put things on Bimble so, um, I mean, I, you know, we do personally, like we each have an account, of course, but um, we don't, we do have one like Bimble official account, but we name it the Bimble official account. Those are, you know, places that we add that we've been sharing on Instagram or whatever, and then we add them onto Bimble. But really every single thing there is user generated. And it's, it's super important because what we, what we want to do is we want to source peer-to-peer recommendations Um, But we want to do that in a way that is positive and selective. And when I say selective, I mean curated. So the way that we do that is we say to you, here's a utility tool where you can save the places you love. Therefore, it's your own space. So I'm going to come back to Spotify as my example. You don't put on your Spotify playlist music that you don't particularly like. You're not doing it for the sake of the musician. So it's not a thank you like you are, like on TripAdvisor, you go put on you know, a star rating to thank that business or to be cross with that business. You're not responding to that musician. You're collecting the music. You're making your own library of music that you want. So by saying to people, this is where you keep your own list of places, we are therefore creating a context where people will curate lists of places that they actually care about. So they won't list places that they've come across that are fine you don't want to remember a place that's fine. You want to remember a place that you might want to go back to. So that's how that's how we build the sort of quality 
um, of the of the places that are selected and put on there. And then it's all peer-to-peer recommendations. There's no star rating at all because you can you find people who have similar taste to you, you and then and then you find their recommendations. So it's based on what we call a personal filter. So a filter based on each person's individual taste and not based on some kind of a, a supposedly objective rating system, which of course is never objective and, and doesn't work. That makes complete sense mm. because I'd uh, had a list of recommendations of places to go, again, just using Francis' example, just it's fresh in my mind, from a friend who does have very different tastes to both myself and my girlfriend. And he'd said, oh, you need to visit Kith in Paris. And you went in and it was effectively... LA like it was a it was effectively like a, like someone had taken a store out of LA and placed it in the middle of Paris and it was very it was full of very like LA-esque people which was the opposite of what we were looking yeah, for yeah. when we went to Paris so it's really interesting and it had great ratings as well of course because the people that did go there and knew what it was loved it so it's really interesting that you can find people that have specific similar tastes to you and follow their experiences because that's certainly something that I would do great yeah, and if you think about when you were saying earlier that you would look for someone on Instagram, for example, uh, or TikTok, or I don't know what, whatever platform you like to go on, and you would look for people and see what recommendations they've made, and then try to understand where those places are. So we call that kind of eight boring steps to fun. So we have, you know, we've just come across so many people that do this, right? They're searching and they're like, okay, I think I am someone I follow once recommended a place that might be like, I'm kind of trying. And then they go back and they're searching for that. And maybe they've come across a place like in bed in the morning, they opened a place, they're like, oh, that looks good. I should go there someday. Maybe they screenshotted that. And then they're going back through their screenshots. So like there's whole process of finding that place again. Once you've found it, you have no information. So then you need to know where it is. So you need to go on the map and have a look at that. You need to look at the website to understand a bit more about the place. You need to go book. You need to navigate to the place. There's all these processes that you have to go through to actually get to that place. And then if you liked it, Maybe you'll share it on Instagram and then somebody else will go through that whole process. So what we're trying to do is to make that a much better, more user-friendly experience. So if you were an influencer or just anybody and you're on your social media and you're sharing with your friends or with your followers the places that you love, and you're just doing a post, I was at this place last night, it was fantastic, then if you've put that place on Bimble and you say, don't worry, it's on Bimble, then I know that if I love what you share and that you know Paris, when I'm going to go to Paris, I'll go to your profile on Bimble. I'm like, I know that I like his places. And so it's easy for me. And, I, and I've got them and they're all on a map. I've got the directions. I've got information about the place. I know what other people are saying about them. So it's just it just facilitates that whole experience and um, it makes it fun instead of boring. And so you've, you've built this amazing platform. What then are the challenges that you're you have faced or are currently facing in both building that up and getting it out there but actually bringing and onboarding new users to the platform so we've encountered i would say more problems than we would have expected and that is because we launched three weeks before a pandemic so that was ideal when you're talking about you know an app for places (laughs) Uh, we launched an app for places and three weeks later we all locked down so um at the time of course we didn't know that would be more or less a two-year problem. So we kind of thought this would be a short-term problem, but nonetheless, we, we, we thought that we would not be able to grow. What we found was that pe- we did grow. Like We grew through all that whole period of lockdown. We grew because people 
either were reminiscing about places that they'd been to, or they were thinking about like creating dream holidays for the future, or thinking about what will I do as soon as I can get out, or they were supporting businesses that they love. Like, I hope this business is going to survive. I'm worried about them. They haven't, you know, they're just a small independent local. So we, they went through phases of sharing these different lists for different reasons. And so we grew and we grew through essentially through Instagram promoted posts on Instagram. And then we ran into, and as you talked about like attracting people, but also about building. So we ran into a problem with our build, a much more serious problem, which is that our engineers are all based in Ukraine. Uh, They're all Ukrainians. So clearly um, the war has been an absolutely disastrous um, thing for all of them and so that's been that's been a really uh, a really tough thing um, for for our team and obviously we're incredibly close to them we were going every month to Ukraine before before the war and we speak to you know speak to those people every every day so um, that's been a, a big problem in terms of our app this year uh, nonetheless they're still they're all working I mean they basically they took a couple of weeks when they were kind of trying to find their feet move out of the city into more protected areas the ones that are allowed to leave the country which means as in not the men were able to leave and so they took some time kind of finding their feet and finding a new place of semi-stability and then they all asked to come back and start working again just to take their minds off it to kind of be in a positive space so Despite the war, we actually released our biggest feature that we'd released in ages just a couple of weeks ago. So we released the maps, Bimble maps, which we'd been talking about and working on for quite some time. And they just decided they wanted to get together, work on that and, and release it. And it just they, they were basically they said either we're on the watching TV or on Twitter all day, like panicking or we try to keep that to a portion of the day and we try and take our minds off it. So that, that is what they did. So we had this amazing rallying together and they built the rest of the features for the maps and we released that just recently. Um, and the Bimble map has been, it was really important to release the Bimble maps because it was a sort of celebration of the end of pandemic. So like that's what we wanted to release it as the end of pandemic. In the end, it turned into this like bittersweet situation. But um But the idea was, you know, pandemic's over, people are no longer just in their homes creating bimble lists of places that they would love to go to sometime. They're actually out going to places. And now they need the next layer of utility, which is open up bimble and see what's close by that I've saved in the past that I might want to go to or my friends have saved or other people on the app. So now you can do that with bimble. You can open it up and discover everybody's everybody's places close by. And... Being, being discovered organically through an app store once you've launched it onto the platform can be a difficult thing to do. So why did you choose to develop an app over something more like a traditional website, for example? Was Why was the app the, the go-to um, build for you? Because of the um, added, part, well, two reasons. Partly because of the added functionalities um, that you can have by integrating it and making it into a native app. But partly because... All of our, we did have a website. We still do have a website, by the way. It's just, it's, it's less up to date because we don't, we don't focus on it as much. But we had a website for a whole year before we had the app and we had constant requests for an app, right? I mean, basically, that's how people behave now. They want to, you know, they want to have apps for specific things. And a website just feels very much like a place where you go to find information 
whereas an app is part of your lifestyle, right? So uh, people were saying, we want we want a Bimble app because that will allow us, because that's how it feels like we have ownership. It's our place where we save our places, uh, where we can discover other people. So it feels like a much more specific environment that you can tailor and be it's your own your own thing. And then the very fact of it just being on your screen, like from a purely marketing perspective, is actually is really helpful, right? You know, it's a reminder every time you open your phone, you, you look at your screen and you've got these apps and, and they're there to remind you that you might want to have another little look or they might have a little notification sign that says, you know, one of your friends has just shared something. So it's from a marketing perspective, it's it's interesting as well. And you mentioned before that a lot of the growth that you saw or, or are seeing, is it still mainly ads across Instagram that you're running in order to, to grow your user base? Uh, yes, yeah, so we it still is Instagram ads that work the best for us, although we have a lot of organic traffic that comes through Instagram as well. We are also um, working with some influencers across TikTok and across Instagram. And that's also worked well for us. So actually, it's, it's interesting to, if we look at the way things develop, so we were kind of on a shoestring. We were anyway posting on Instagram all the time. It was just a space where we did post all the time. So boosting posts and creating small ads, which we just did ourselves, um, was something that felt natural and easy for us to do. And it, and it worked well. Um, and it spoke to people because the places that people are sharing, like they're quite beautiful a lot of the time. Though not always, because what we're interested in is what happens when you're in the place, as opposed to just what it looks like. But nonetheless, um, and so it was a space that felt natural and 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 that worked well for us. But along came the Apple privacy rules, and initially we just kind of rode through that; it didn't seem to have much of an impact. But then suddenly it caught up with us, and our cost per acquisition literally. Well, say doubled, but it could even have been like almost tripled, like two and a half times, I would say the cost just went right up. And then the traffic we did get was not as likely to actually adopt the app and use it. So we then, and that happened in the autumn, and we then decided to pause all of our ads and kind of take stock and think some more. And we spent some time really studying that market again and thinking about how we could continue acquisition uh, in a way that worked. And what we really felt was that, you know, we needed to develop more organic traffic and how we how we could balance that out. And so we then went back into the market with, I mean, we'd always been in the market, we went back into spend um, with, again, ads through Facebook and, and, and Instagram, but backed up with a lot of work with brand ambassadors. And the brand ambassadors, I said, are both on TikTok mm. and on Instagram. And we found that by having these two sides happening at the same time we actually brought our cost right back down to where it had been before in fact uh, rather lower than it had been before so that's been great and the brand ambassadors they just they play a really important role for us because um we spent we spent time sort of experimenting with working with influencers a year ago and we didn't get it right and this time we're really happy with the way it's working and i guess that the what's what's important is that because we rely on people like in order for our product to work and to be trustworthy we need people to really be adding places that they actually love so what we can never do is pay somebody to add a specific place because that breaks the whole system um and so we couldn't do the classic thing that people do with you know influencers i'll go pay you you make content about this we'll share it like that's not how it works we can't do that so we never did that. What we did was we said to people, go make a list of places you love on Bimble, choose one of them, promote that, I mean, you know, and, and share that on your with your audiences. 
But what we found actually is that this time where we've done it over a period, so not one-off posts, but an actual partnership with some brand ambassadors, that that trains their followers to do exactly what I was saying earlier, to know that all that influencers in you know, places, they're all on Bimble. So they're posting about us every week or you know, saying, and by the way, remember, my places are on Bimble. And that then drives people to Bimble who then have followed those people, who then you know, continue to interact, who come back to see what new places those people have added. And then they start discovering other interesting people on Bimble. So we have found that what it really changed was that improved acquisition, but more importantly, it improved early adoption. So once people had signed up to Bimble, that they immediately found content that they were excited about because, well, because they'd seen that person before, they already knew about them, they already followed them. So they came in and then they started like exploring and discovering. That's a, yeah, that's a really smart way of doing it. I, and I was going to, uh, the reason for asking is that I was going to mention which platforms you're exploring, where you're seeing the best benefit from. And I think one of the things that we've seen specifically over the last year and a half is is a combination of creators, you know, across different uh, levels from macro creators all the way down to micros and com- combining those to create this snowball effect of opinion. And um, we've done a lot of that on TikTok specifically, haven't we? Where mm. uh, I think TikTok at the minute is quite an exciting one. We do quite a lot of work on TikTok. And I think a lot of a lot of the problems that were caused by the iOS update have been since overcome with things like server-to-server tracking, but also um, looking at alternatives like TikTok that have the lower CPVs that you can see on the platform. And, you know, even as a conversion platform is now flourishing, um, providing your content, right? Out of those two platforms, is the one that is is more um, prominent in its in what it's delivering? Is there a certain preference in, in or sort of weight in, in your marketing efforts right now? So I'd say that we're doing more organic we're posting more videos and things obviously on TikTok and we're getting probably more organic reach and visibility and noise through TikTok. Our spend is still weighted towards Instagram, so that would be an unfair like thing to, to you know present. We've been doing it for longer. Our cost, like on our actual ads, we would, or you know, the, the ones that we promote, we would have a slightly best, better cost per acquisition on Instagram for the moment. But I think that's just because we've been doing it for longer. Um, we've got bigger spend and so we're about to start scaling more onto TikTok. So we believe that we're going to get more out of TikTok actually um, than we will out of Instagram in the year to come. But up until now, we haven't tipped it quite yet. That's interesting. And when it comes to the creators that you're working with, what things have you done that have worked well and what things have you done that maybe you wouldn't do again? So, yeah, so the things that we wouldn't do again were it's really about... um, What's it? We just like firstly one off just doesn't work for us at all um, because we're not trying to. I guess it does build some fame, but it's not really what we're trying to do. We're trying to build an understanding that that's where people's places are. So for us, it's definitely about longer term relationships. Another thing that we we wouldn't do and we have done is tried to be too um, intrusive into what they're actually posting. So we, you know, we tried this across TikTok. So we tried with our, with the, with the people, you know, our brand ambassadors were like, okay, do your own thing. I'm like, okay, you've done your own thing now for two or three weeks. Let's try to brand it a bit more. And then that just doesn't work, right? So we have tried a little bit of, you know, seeing if we can move the dial a bit towards the messages we specifically want to be sharing, but we find that that doesn't work. So we just we know we need to be just simply working with people who who whose content we love and who do things that are great and then just leave them to do their thing. And actually that's quite liberating. So um you know I, I've been working in marketing for a long time and you know have been in it 
since the days where you know brands just decided like blanket this is what we're doing and this is what we this is what we tell the world and the world has no no voice to respond um you know now the world clearly has a voice to respond and you know that's fantastic so actually you know I just feel like bit by bit you just have to let go and uh and and that's working well do you envisage bimble becoming almost like a marketing platform within its own right or are restaurants able to advertise their uh, restaurants on the platform like they would on uh, a platform like Facebook for example or um, I'm just interested in the commercials of the of the platform as well. Yeah so great question so firstly nobody is doing any ads on Bimble and we do not plan to sell ads on Bimble but the way that we can the way that things can work firstly people can use Bimble as a marketing platform absolutely so we've been approached by brands uh, and in fact also businesses or so restaurants or shops or whatever who say you know how can they raise their profile on Bimble and there's lots of ways they can do it there's no pay to display formula but they can do it another way so for example we encourage restaurants to list themselves if they want of course we prefer it if they ask their customers to list them but nonetheless that it's fine if they want to list themselves the only question is that if they want to be listed and for people to be interested in their listing they're going to have to do it within the context of a place list right so you can just add a place to bimble if you want but that nobody really finds that if it's just a place all by itself and when they do find it they don't find it very trustworthy because there's your profile with your one place right? okay whatever nobody cares right so it has to be within the context of a list of places and as soon as you say to a restaurant owner okay you've got to make a list so then they have to think about what does that mean that means that am I going to think about where I source my ingredients maybe that's what I'm going to do right maybe I'm going to say okay I go to this you know bakery down the road because they have got the best sourdough so that's where I source my sourdough I go to buy my wine from this place because they get wine from this part of France and that goes well so either they might do that and then you're going to get fantastic content that is great. And by the way, they're going to want to say, and I'm the owner of this restaurant because all it's doing is telling everybody how fantastic that restaurant is and how thoughtful they are in where they go and source their content, their, their ingredients. That's one possibility. Another possibility is they might say, oh, I'm going to talk about other restaurants that inspired me to find my restaurant. And then they're going to create a list of fantastic restaurants in other parts of the city or in other cities that they've been to, loved and have inspired them. Again, brilliant content. Or they might say, OK, I want people to come to my neighborhood as a destination. Where do my customers like to go before dinner, after dinner? Where do they shop? And then they're going to make a kind of area guide. And again, they're going to be really careful about making a fantastic area guide. So all of that is brilliant. It's good for their brand. It's good for our users or our, or our community. It's good for the, for the platform. So that is something that we love to see and, and, and we do see people doing. And then you can look at other kinds of brands. And again, for example, you know, we've been approached by an estate agent who said they wanted to create lists of the interesting places to go near the houses that they have for sale. Again, like fantastic, like which of the places you should go to if you live in this neighborhood, what's great. Or we've been approached by a health and beauty brand that was creating a range of products that were inspired by Greece. And they wanted to show that they actually understood what they were talking about and they created a whole list of they'd spent six months in Greece meeting local uh, you know people finding ingredients getting inspired by you know and they and they created a whole list of all their experiences in Greece and that helped to 
authenticate like the work that they'd done and showcase the work that they'd done and show that what they were talking about was not just invented, you know, in in Miami. No, it was like it was it was sourced in Greece. And so there are ways that brands can use Bimble to to talk about that. So all of that is already available and ways that people can use it, but none of that is monetized. So coming to the question of how do we monetize, because at some point we will need to earn some money. And that will be from the businesses that are listed, but it will not be through advertising. So I'm going to just clarify what that means. We, we founded Bimble because we want more people to find great places and we want there to be more great places. So what we want to do is to help those places thrive. And we know that those little businesses, because we spent so much time talking to them, they struggle to communicate um, and they struggle to communicate in a way that resonates with our audience. What do our audience want to know? They want to know when they go to a restaurant, whether that restaurant is, is sourcing things in a sustainable way, whether the why the founder founded it, what's the backstory here? Like, are they ethical? Like, these are the kinds of things people want to know. They want the stories. And it's really hard for anyone to find those stories. So they might have a website. They usually do, but they don't know how to drive traffic to it. They don't know how to update it. They don't know if it's, got, if it's working for them. It's just sitting there. They have social media, but social media is fast moving, gets lost, um, and they can't tell much of a story on it. So what we want to do is we want to approach businesses that have been listed by people, therefore that are loved by our community, and offer them the space within their place page to tell those stories. So it does not move their place page higher in the algorithm. It's got it's not an ad in that sense. It just means that you as an as a member of the community, you find a place, when you click on it, you get a better experience, you get more information, you understand it better, and so forth. And that, that will give those businesses access to our audience, a better access to our audience, they've already got access, but a better access, and to give our audience a better experience. And that would be a subscription model. Got you. So it's almost like I could list a cafe around the corner, however I want it. And if I was that cafe, in order to be able to contribute to that conversation and or, or, or change the way that it was, my cafe was being perceived on the platform initially, I would pay a subscription fee to have more control over that description. So you can never control what everyone else is saying, but because of the nature of our platform, it's positive anyway, so that's kind of fine. But... You can, but simply what you can do is you can take that page and you can have extra spaces. So right now that page has just got photo, a fo some photos, it's got a map, it's got people's comments, it's got opening times. What it would then have is a space where you can say, this is my founder story, this is a video of the inside of my restaurant, this is my menu, like it's that kind of information. Understand? Yeah, I, I I got you. So it's almost like um, it unlocks additional features for the uh, for the for the for the owner. Exactly. Almost like you would uh, pay for like a more premium subscription for a web page, for example. Exactly, yes. Excellent. So I've got one more question for you. And this question is one that we actually ask every guest as a final question on uh, each episode. And it's a little more personal to you. Um, and so that question is, what one quality do you see within yourself that without you feel you wouldn't succeed? Uh, resilience. Resilience, optimism. I, I mean, I don't know which one it is, but one or the other, uh, they go together. And why is that? Well, um, I think that starting a company and growing it is something that means that you encounter unexpected things all the time. We've had to be particularly 
resilient, I guess, through, you know, lockdown, through Apple's privacy rules, and most of all through the war. But even if none of those things had happened, you know, the constantly needing to work out how to take the next step, what the next step should be, and being optimistic that you, when you take that step, it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, you will find another solution. So just always feeling, never getting beaten down, always feeling, no, actually, it's exciting to open another door. It's exciting to walk into the that dark space and see and see what's going to happen because you will find your way through. You just have to keep on and you have to keep on learning. You have to keep on listening. You have to keep on being agile. Well, that is um, that is all the questions we have for you today. Thank you for joining us on today's uh, episode, Julia. And uh, I wish you all, all the best and, and best of luck with the continued success of Bimble. Thank you both very much. I had a great time. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Social. Make sure you subscribe to us so you're notified when an episode drops. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Campfire, make sure to follow us on the socials in the show notes. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode.